Hello and welcome to Brokenomics. Now in this Christmas episode I want to talk about Rome because that's a nice Christmassy subject. In particular I want to go over the economics of Rome, uh, their, their rise and their fall. The only slight issue with that is that a lot of the time there's stuff happening uh, alongside the economic stuff and I'm, I'm a little bit weak when it comes to the, uh, the non-financial stuff. But luckily I know a man who knows about that sort of stuff. Bo, thank you very much for coming on again. You are... No, my pleasure. It is, it is uh, very kind of you to, to join me again on, on Brokenomics, on, on this uh, special Christmas podcast. No, any opportunity to waffle on about Rome... Yes. It's, uh, it's what I do. Well, as, as the meme goes, you know, just, just being a bloke, you want to talk about Rome. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's sort of double plus in, in your particular case, isn't it? So It's one of those yeah. things, when you study it, you know, formally at uni yes. or something, um, you might not... Most, most people are not sort of first drawn to sort of the social history or the economic history, but you're sort of forced to do it. Yeah. Well, usually. I like usually. That stuff. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, although I'm sort of, you know, more interested in the military side of things and the political side of things, mm. I do also know about the economy. Yeah. Although one thing I would say just before we start is that um, it's, we, we actually don't know, no one knows about it in fantastic detail. Yes. Because a lot of the records, or most of the original records, are lost. Mm. So we sort of have to piece things together a bit. That is one of the first things we have to say. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've not gone down the equivocation. Whenever it was a question of, in the research of, you know, this thing is unknown or not, I've just, oh, let's just go with it. Because right. um, if, if, I get, if I get fact-checked by, you know, future historians, then fine. But I'm, I'm going to present forward the, the best argument that I have of what was happening at the time. Um, I'll tell you where I wanted to start with this is I'm sure most of us ha ha has had the experience of watching some epic Roman drama or something like that, or visiting, uh, I remember as a kid going to the, the Fishbourne Roman Palace. Fishbourne, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you sort of look at that and, and, and the depictions you get on your screen and so on, and you think, oh, it wasn't so bad to be a Roman, was it? it you know, they, they lived all right. You've got to remember that that was the billionaire class that we're talking about there. Mm. You know, uh, the average Roman was actually cripplingly poor yeah really poor yeah below what we would say subsistence yes um like yeah. you're living in utter utter poverty in the third world sort of level yes uh, and that I, would be the vast majority of people oh, yes. in the roman world yeah. yeah so i spent a bit of time coming to a number uh, a disproportionate amount of my research went into this this basically this one number but i wanted to calculate what i felt the gdp per capita for the average roman citizen was Okay. And I came to the number of, and I won't go into my workings, but I, I, I did it, trust me, of about $600 per year right. was the GDP per capita of the average Roman. Right. right. You translate that, and, and that's in modern terms, you translate that to where we are today, that, that means that the average Roman was poorer than the average Madagascan today. Mm. If, if Rome was a country today, it would be one of the poorest countries in the world. Yeah. Well, so one of the things I would say is that it's extremely difficult to do something like that. Um, okay, so where, where, to, where to begin? Um, for a start, ancient economies are completely diff a completely different beast to modern ones. Yes. Um, even the idea of the, the nation state is completely... Obviously, there was no such thing as a nation state. The Roman Empire was not really one empire like the, the British Empire of the yeah. 18th or 19th century or something. It was really an empire of empires in yes. a way. It was more like uh, Frank, it was sort of 
owned many franchises that were empires. And then when you talk about something like the economy of the Roman Empire, well, at, at what point do, are you talking the first century AD or yes. the fourth century? Are we yes. talking, do you mean in the Republic? Do you mean in the age of Augustus or the age of Hadrian, say? Yes. So anyway, and then yeah. whenever you convert ancient money or ancient yeah. numbers and try and convert it into modern dollars. It doesn't work that well, does like it? The exchange rate of 2023, exactly. Anyway, yes. the point, all the point is I'm trying to make is that um, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Yes. Um, of course, you can make all sorts of but estimates we, and estimates, of course. There's no problem with that. We, we but it will only the, ever be a, yeah. a, a vague But we, we do the best we can in 90 minutes for the, for the general interest viewer. Right, sure. Yeah, it's best, best sure, we can. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, so the, I've come up with the GDP per capita of, like I say, about $600 per Roman. The other thing to put into context for this period, of course, is that Rome was not the richest place in the world, even, even during much of its history. That, that honour probably goes to the Chinese or perhaps the Indians. Mm. And the reason for that is that, you've got to remember at the time, the primary source of wealth was agriculture. And basically the Chinese had more and better quality soil. Mm. Um, so I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, on, the, yeah, on, on comparatively where the Romans sat, even amongst their time. Yeah, I mean, so again, as soon as you sort of break the crust of, of diving into the nuance of it, mm. when you talk about a Roman, do you mean like yep. an, an urban Roman pleb? Do you mean someone, f a rural person from Italy? Do you mean someone in modern day France or Britain? Mm. Um, and then, you know, so the, all those are different things. But yeah, the economy was always, it doesn't matter what period particularly you talk about, was always agrarian. Yeah. Of course. But then the same goes for ancient China and India. Yes. They've just simply got more land. And more, better quality more soil. Hectares, yeah. Yeah. Um, Italy does Possibly. not have fantastic soil. Right, yeah. But there's, yeah. right, okay. But there's places in, some places in France and, and Britain and Spain and things that are, are not bad. But still, mm. still. Yeah. The sheer amount of quality land that the yes. Indians and the Chinese might have been able yeah. to uh, call upon is much more. Because the ancient Chinese empire was much, much smaller than modern China. Mm. Yet still, yet still. Mm. The other things, I think, the first thing to mention about the Roman economy, the two biggest things, two biggest headlines are, one, that it's predominantly agrarian, kind of obviously, I suppose. Yeah. The other, it was a, it was a, there was a slave economy. Mm that the entire Roman economic machine turned on slavery. Yes. Um, again, depending what period you're talking about, but let's say the 100 and 150 odd years between Augustus and Hadrian, let's say, um, mm. let's just say that. Again, very, I can only ever speak yeah. vaguely and roughly. Um, maybe as much as 20% of all the people in the Roman Empire were slaves. Mm. <clears throat> now, there's all different shades of grey of slavery. There's the sort of the hard and fast, cotton-picking, southern plantation, American-type slavery. Yeah. That's really quite a harsh level of slavery, or, the, or perhaps the, um, the Soviets or the Nazis working you to mm. death in a work camp-type slavery. That's mm. sort of at the extreme end of the scale. Yes. And then you can have just sort of an indentured slave or a serf, yes. who's sort yes. of semi-free, really. They haven't got any real legal... Or political rights but they're not as long as you cough up yeah. yeah they're not pure human chattel but you are still yes. a slave and then you can have the romans had freedmen a whole class of people freedmen that used to be slaves mm. they're not technically slaves anymore but they're not 
They, yeah. they, we can never be free-born citizens. Though. Yeah, but they were tiered so below whole, the Romans. Right. Yeah. So mm. anyway, in the Roman world, most of the quote-unquote slaves were not that type of, of human chattel. There was something not... Yeah, so the, they, their they their bondage being, wasn't that strict. They weren't being worked to destruction kind of thing. Right, okay, yeah. right, right, right. Nonetheless, yeah. nonetheless, having made that caveat, a fifth of all people were slaves. Mm. That's, a fan, that's a huge amount. It's a huge amount. I've, I've read a number of uh, essays that say things like, if you tried to take slavery out of the equation of the Roman Empire, of the Roman economy, the whole thing wouldn't really work. Yeah, I mean, the flip side of that is it, is it removed the incentive to produce labour-saving devices, mm. which took away a whole tier of innovation incentives. But, I mean, we, 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 will, we will come to it. I mean, that, 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 that's a huge part of it at all. But, but I mean, just while I'm, just while I'm giving context to, to the it's level the same in China and India, just quickly. To say. Oh, yeah. They didn't yeah, not yeah. have slaves. Yes. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, quite. I mean, I mean, you get a whole class of students today who thinks that the only people who ever had slaves were the Americans in the, in the 1800s. Yes, yeah. yeah bit more widespread than that. And slavery was ubiquitous throughout all human history. Yeah. I mean, the, the Saudis had slave markets until like 1956 or something. There's you millions know. of slaves today. Oh, yes. Yeah. Millions. In, in, in areas where America has spread democracy to, slave markets have popped up in there um, once the bombs stopped. In Arabia, in India, in Africa. Yeah. Millions today. of slaves today. Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of purchasing power, mm. <laughs> um, again, Caveats, caveats, which period, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I'm going to speak generally here. Sure. You know, a Roman soldier could expect to earn, I think it was about six asterces a day. Two or three um, two or three of that you'd actually see in your pocket because there were various sub, uh, subtractions for um, gear um, and lodgings and all that kind of stuff. So with what a Roman soldier could actually had as, you know, his, his free cash flow on a day um, would be enough to buy one good glass of wine. Now, I, I don't think the soldiers actually drank the good wine. They drank, you know, they, they drink the, the, the cheap swill. But, you know, that's the sort of level of spending that, you know, the people had. It was that very low level of economy. Something mm. like a red tunic is the sort of thing you need to save up for. Mm. Um, you know, so, so I just wanted to, to, to put that in there because you, we, we often hear about the, the fantastic wealth of the Romans, but, you know, g generally it was, it was an incredibly poor society. Now, what I wanted to turn to was, as you said... Most people tend to focus on the military conquests and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, what I find fascinating, though, is the, is the monetary and political systems and even the taxation systems they put in beneath that that made all of that possible, right? Because, you know, let's say you are the second or third son of a Roman farmer on the outskirts of Rome or something like that. And, and you know, a senator turns up and says, hey, would you like to join the army and go and fight Gauls and get your head potentially chopped off? You know, what do I get out of that? Nothing. Oh, right, well, no thanks. But if the offer is, I'm going to come to you, and we've got this um, species of money, um, and we can pay you reliably in something that you know is good, and at the end of it, you can get a stipend or, or land, you know, some form of pension, basically, should come out of it, and that will infer social rank upon you. Do you want to join the army? Now, all of a sudden, it's a very different context. And you can see how that financial <coughs> stability and the monetary system that they had allowed them to then go on and do the military stuff. And I'm sure you will tell me that right at the other end, when the monetary system started to fall apart, well, the military went with it. Is that mm. a fair assessment? 
Um, yeah, I mean, you could say something like that, for sure, for sure. One of the things um, you'd have to say about the Roman army is that it never really stayed the same. There's this idea in most dramas, most films, yep. they depict legionaries in a really specific Hollywood or, let's say, TV-friendly yeah. way. It changed a lot pre- and post-Marius reforms, I know uh, that, but there's right, probably a lot more to it. that's just the beginning of it, yeah. It yeah. never really stopped reforming and changing. Mm. Um, they always show legionaries with the same type of armour, the same type of sword, the same type of shield, that they're all in the same legion with the, with the, yeah, the, the lightning bolts on the shield. Right. It's just, it's which, just which sort of Which era is that actually from? When I, when I watch, because you're right, they are always the same. What, what era is that that they're citing? That is, that is sort of the very late Republic, right. turn of the Empire type times. Okay. Um, and legionaries wouldn't have been uniform like that. That's mm. a modern, it was fairly modern idea that all soldiers look the same. Yeah. It just was, it wasn't like oh, that. And very anyway. much so in the early case, in the early days as well, you, you brought your own gear. In fact, that's what oh, conferred yeah, your, a lot of your rank on you, is, yeah. is how much you could contribute to the military. Yeah. You took your father's sword, yes. passed down through your generation. Anyway, um, yeah, famously the Marian reforms, which are, uh, you know, the first century BC. Um, well, even well, this. So there's lots and lots of reforms done in the age of Augustus. Mm. Trajan uh, starts lots and lots of reforms. It goes on and on and on uh, all through the centuries. There's reform after reform, but a soldier's pay. Um, so that's one of the major things uh, is often pointed to, which caused uh, a massive crisis in the third century, mm. is that a soldier's pay had ballooned. It was sort of 70% when in the space of a generation or two became sort of 70% more than it used to be because right. various rulers had to keep paying their men more and more in order to stay loyal to them. So, Well, a part of that would have been the um, debasement of the currency as well, the, the, the silver dilution and all that. Yeah, kind of thing, yeah. yeah but even in real terms. Yeah. 70%. So, for example, how much a legionary was paid in the age of Marius as opposed to, let's say, in the age mm. of Augustus or Tiberius, as opposed to in the age of someone deep in the third century like Aurelian, Mm. or Diocletian or someone, you're looking at just a completely different number, yeah. just a massively different number, yeah. um, to the point where saying a, a legionary made this much mm. um, is sort of yeah. a, a difficult thing. But all, all fair, I just want to set a very general guideline. My, yeah. my, 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 my very broad point here is that um, I let, let's remember this was a subsistence a, level economy. Keep and, making that point, yeah, yeah but yeah. I just think... I'll try not to keep making that point. Mm. Um, like, what period are you talking about? But, but particularly with the pay of a soldier, I think more, almost more than any other point we might make in this conversation, mm. the pay of a soldier varied, uh, varied mm. mass massively, um, yes. and uh, even taking into account the the, the yep. sort of inflation or how much the the coins had been debased mm. and all that sort of thing. Um, one of the things before we carry on, one of the things you mentioned nearer the beginning that I think is really, really important. The idea that when you go to somewhere like Fishbourne or when you go to any yes. sort of great uh, piece of archaeology, a, a Roman villa somewhere, yes. you said it's sort of the billionaire class or something. Yeah, yeah of course, it, absolutely. It, it, it's like people um, 500 years going to Jeff Bezos' mansion yeah. and thinking, oh, they lived all right in the, yeah. in the 21st century, didn't they? This is how people live in <laughs> yes. the 21st century. No, right, yeah. Um, but it's, 
it's as it is today, or perhaps even more, that um, there'll be a tiny, tiny number of people, really, that live like that. And the vast majority, and there'll be a very, very small middle class. It's not correct to use that word, mm. because, again, that's a modern concept, really. When you say the, the term middle class, people immediately have yeah. a, 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 an image in their mind but of pe what they mean. People who are slightly that. less likely to starve than the low right. orders, that kind of thing. And nearly everyone would have been sort of subsistence level. Mm. Nearly everyone. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing just to stress is that there was a, mm. um, a, a, a relatively tiny number of people that lived in big villas mm. that had heated floors and things. Yeah, and all the luxuries. So I do want to come on to, I, I, think, uh, I think the main part of the early part of this, we, we're going to want to talk about the currencies and the evolution of that. I, okay. I just want to give a nod to, and again, I'm talking more about the, the slightly earlier part here. The, they had a pretty good taxation system. They had a sort of taxation system that AOC would quite like, which was basically a wealth tax. And mm. this, along with the rise of, of a regular currency that you could depend upon, and a set of promises that made you want to sign up to the military and then go off and conquer places and all that kind of thing. Their, their, their tax system, as I understand, again, I'm going to simplify greatly here, but the taxation system was wealth tax and it was broadly, and it fluctuated, but broadly 1% of your wealth. And it was a good system because, well, first of all, they, they only really applied it to the wealthier people because it just wasn't worth their effort to go and get 1% of some guy who's barely feeding himself. Um, and it was, your, it was your contribution for your taxes that largely determined your societal rank. So you actually wanted to pay because you did because 1%, first of all, wasn't actually that bad as, as a wealth tax. Um, but secondly, because you wanted the advantages that it conferred upon you. So you, so if, if you were a wealthy individual, you do want to pay that and get the, the social kudos that goes with it and the rank and the status and so on. Yeah. Um, I would say that, or any, anyone that knows about it would say, um, that our modern idea of taxes, 20th century, 21st century taxes, yes. is blown out of all proportion compared to how taxes have nearly always been done. Mm. In the ancient, we pay tons of tax. Yes. The idea that any normal person who's far from wealthy has to pay 20, 30, 40% of their income to tax. That's great. That's, that's, yes. that's, that's unprecedented in all, all of human history, that mm. is. Um, even going back 100, 200 yeah. odd years, it wasn't mm. the case. In the ancient world, in ancient Rome, mm. again, if we're just going to talk broadly, Rather than trying to pick out individual centuries and things, um, yeah, there would be there were taxes on land largely, mm. land taxes when, when well, it changes hands. So I say a one percent wealth tax. Um, land was wealth right. effectively. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there wasn't anything. There was no capital assets really. Sometimes in, during the empire, anyway, there was a type of poll tax. But yeah, like in the medieval period, if you were a, a, a peasant, mm. um, you weren't expected to pay anything. Mm. You just weren't expected to um, necessarily. There'll be inheritance taxes, again, on the wealthy. Mm. Um, because they're the only people worth collecting taxes right. from. And but again, the, nothing like the modern yeah. inheritance tax. You're mm. looking at maybe at the absolute most, mm. the absolute, absolute outer limit, 5%. Yeah. And quite often a lot less than that. Yeah. So to us, I wish I only paid 5% <laughs> of everything I make. I wish. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Can you barely, can you barely imagine, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, still, to, to some people in the ancient world, they thought it was uh, beyond the pale. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm right in thinking that the, especially across the, the earlier periods, 
the the tax you paid kind of determined your social rank. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, yeah. I mean, there was an element of that to it. Sure, you would you would have to by definition be landed in the landowning class. Yeah. Before um, the state starts taxing you like that. Yeah. And one other point I'd have to make again. I sort of touched on it earlier, but the our idea of a nation state. Mm. That's not what the Roman state was. Mm. It didn't work. It didn't work anything like that. Mm. They didn't have a central bank. They didn't have. Uh, they. I, I'll touch on that. They kind. They. They kind of got something that is a is an echo of it. Well, later we. we yeah. Are you talking about after the, the the sort of the credit crunch of thirty three? Yeah, yeah. AD. Yeah. So okay. So yeah. again, it's still nothing like. Yes. Really, a, yeah. a modern central bank. Yes. Um. They, there was there was there was a type of state treasury, mm. but again, it's not like a treasury department we would have. No, um, they didn't really have a civil service. They had a type of bureaucracy. Yeah, but okay, but it'd yeah, be a but, very very small okay, bureaucracy fair, compared to modern times. To be fair, we're judging them against today's standards. Right. Yeah. So that's what the I need really, to try to make clear to people. Yeah, is but that, really, the right standard is against what came before, and. I mean, they were massive, massively innovative. Well, I mean, okay, so they weren't the first to have coin. We're coming to coinage in a second, but they weren't the first to have coinage. But they they kind of really smartened it up. Their tax collection system. I mean, they'd always been, uh, you know, tax to pay to the Lord or whatever it was. But they smartened up a lot of this process. So yes, we can say compared to today, it was it was nothing like it. But actually, for their time and place, they were. They, I, I think this is a really crucial crux of what made the Romans successful is being able to have a, a regular currency system, a decent taxation system, um, incentive through social rank as to why you would want to, to pay these taxes. I mean, it, yes, it was basic, but it was still absolutely superb compared to, you know, Gaul or something. Right, yeah. So there's yeah. been sort of taxation systems in the ancient world, all going all the way back to the Assyrians yeah. and the Egyptians and having sort of a coin-based mm. fiat system and some sort of central treasury mm. and all those sorts of things and a very small, very, very small, really, a bureaucracy of some type in mm. order to collect it and all that sort of thing. But com compared to us, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tiny, yeah. tiny... But that's, that's, that's an unfair standard to compare them to True. us because, I mean, we are, we are just tax maniacs. Or, or not even on the... the, the not even on the scale, I mean, mm. but in terms of really what it was, what it mm. is. So, for example, what I'm saying is we have, unfortunately, a very, very, very complex set of, yes. of taxes and income. In, in, yeah. A modern economy, uh, or even a pre-modern, let's say in the 18th century, is still many, many, many more layers of complexity more than what the mm. Roman world had. The Roman ancient Roman economy was a pretty much a very very straightforward mm. in and out ledger of things. It's as simple as that, really. The other thing I wanted to touch on is is further afield taxation. So if, if I'm understanding this correctly, the way it would work is um, you know the, the Romans have got their legions. They don't you know they they go and invade somewhere. Uh, they establish military control, but they don't actually want to park legions in everywhere that they've conquered. They kind of want to move on. So the taxation was, was, was basically, they, they looked at the areas that they had under their dominion and they said, okay, well, this is a reasonably poor province or this is a particularly rich region. We want a million denarii or whatever it is from this area. 
And the way it would work is local elites, gang leaders, whatever it is, would come along and say, okay, you, you said you want a million denarii. We bid 1.1 million. Somebody else would say, okay, I'll bid 1.2. And basically the contract went to whoever it was. And then the promise was, okay, you now go off and collect taxes and um, Rome's got your back if people get uppity. But they then basically, so the, the regions essentially administered themselves and some local mm. elite would go and extract it. And actually mm. those local mm. guys, some of them got fabulously rich out of, out of this system because, okay, Rome wants their, their 1.2, whatever I've bid for this, but I'll go out and collect 2.2 and I'll keep the difference. So it was, a, it, was, it was a proper racket, but it was a racket that worked nicely. Yeah. I mean, this is much more in the days of the empire, in a yes. way. Um, yeah, so for example, you would take over, uh, the Roman army might take over an area of land, mm. in like Dacia or somewhere out in Mesopotamia mm. or where, wherever. And um, yeah, they would more, usually more or less use the local infrastructure to... Mm. The, the thing that's already always been in place there and sort of sit above it. A bit like the British Empire in India, for example. You let the find, Indians... Find the local we can work with kind of thing. Collect, actually collect the money and mm. we take our cut from that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, as I described it earlier, it's like a franchise, almost like a, a franchise or an empire of empires. Macrome. You know, so, yeah. Sometimes whole kingdoms. Sometimes a king would bequeath his whole kingdom upon his death to Rome. Rome would come in and you're now part of the franchise mm. and you carry on more or less as you always were, yes. but we get a cut. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's protection money kind of really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, on some level, right. Um, um, and another thing I would say is that what you need to take into account, I think, one of the really important things, is, is where you mentioned the army. And I mentioned that the Roman economy was sort of not that much more complicated than a simple in and out ledger. Mm. Um, there's no sort of, or not much anyway, of um, sort of c clever, clever yes. financing. It's sort yes. of you've either got the there money to do something or not. Market. It's yes. as simple as that. Um, most of the expenditure went on the army. Mm. And it, again, it doesn't really matter what period you're talking about. But as you get, get further through in time it gets more and more extortionate but um, so, so very, very very vaguely speaking sometimes as much as 70% of the outgoings is just paying soldiers mm. and well, that was giving them, them their, their yeah. pensions as well when they yeah. come to the end of their time they, 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 they you're promised a bit of land yeah. and so the state not the nation state yeah. but the, the Roman state would have to buy a bit but of I, land but that well, well concrete but yeah but, but that that makes I, my, my, that's my contention is that this financial system allowed that military infrastructure to take place. Mm. So like I say, if you are the second son on a, on a farm on the outskirts of Rome, mm. if, you, if somebody comes to you and says, okay, you do your 25 years and you're going to end up with your own farm because your big brother's inherited that farm, mm. so do you want to be basically your brother's serf or do you want to get your own thing that you can hand over to your kids? That makes it an attractive deal. You can see why people signed up. They took their obligation seriously because there was something to get out of it on the other hand. It wasn't just because the chief turned up with a big club and said, right, now you're fighting. Well, this is one of the perennial problems with the late Republic and, yeah. and the Empire is that men would finish their, their 16 years or 20 years service mm. and they're sort of very, very begrudgingly, even belatedly, 
given a crappy little stretch of land in like the rocky Romania or somewhere, mm. somewhere in Greece. It's like, this isn't, I yeah. can't even work this. This is nothing. No, I, dem I sort of demand, this plays out over generations even, have all sorts of civil unrest and things over this. No, I want a decent bit of land in Italy. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, you, you need to buy that for me. Yeah, but by then that um, land had been locked up and... Right. Mm. Um, so, yeah, all sorts of um, laws and reforms and, as I say, unrest is over that exact issue. How are we going to get yeah. all our, our retired legionaries a decent bit of land? Well, before we come to that, that's, that's, that's more towards the latter end. Okay. I was thinking, let's start at the, at the really early days of the Romans. Okay. So uh, Rome itself, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, the, the, the farming land in Italy you know, is, is, isn't, isn't that fantastic. But Rome itself, it's sat on the end of the Tiber River. Um, it's, in a, it's in a good position for easy flow of goods um, across North, North Italy. It naturally started to evolve as, as a as sort of leading um, commercial hub, simply by dent of location. Um, it was a Bronze Age society. And in the early days, they did what people of that time did, which was basically a barter system. And the earliest forms of money that I'm aware of, correct me if I'm wrong, but was the, was the Ace day, which was a very simple system, which was rather than... Because in a barter, eco barter economy, you need, you need what's called the coincidence of wants. Mm. You, you, I, you, you, you need to swap something that I actually want. Mm, mm. But then you get into all sorts of problems, because if, I, if I'm a woodcutter, I make firewood that you want in the winter and you grow tomatoes, and they only come out in summer, mm. well, we've got a problem straight mm. away. Mm. So in a simple barter economy with a small village, you can, you can work your way around that because like, okay, well, you give me this for me, and later you'll give this for me. But as soon as you start to get any sort of decent trade flowings, that doesn't work. And you can see the Ace Day was literally just a lump of bronze. And it, and it could be various lumps, but it, I mean, it, was, it, was just, it was just a big lump of bronze of, of varying sizes. You can see that gravitation towards using metal as a currency because it, it persists. Um, you, can, you can put a stock of them somewhere and, or, or bury them and dig them up later. Um, and so you had have, you have the beginnings of a, of a very simple metal-based currency with the Ace Day. To watch the full video, please become a premium member at lotuseaters.com.